0: Odd Trails is a true paranormal podcast. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show.
1: Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And just trust. Believe. Panic in the Woods, or Something More Sinister, by similar yesterday 657 This morning, my best friend and I took our children and dogs to the woods for some fresh air. We live in the southern part of England. It's a wooded area we have both been to often. But this time, right off the bat, there was an unfamiliar atmosphere in the air. Both dogs seemed on edge, my dog more so, often whimpering and barking, which is unlike her. My four-year-old daughter stayed glued to my side the entire walk, while my friends' twins ran ahead of us. There are two paths into the woods, a high path and a low path. Below the low path, there is a valley. As we walked along the low path, the twins decided to climb the steep slope to reach the top path, something they have done many times. My friend's dog joined them. While at the top of the slope, the twins said they heard some pigs. This isn't uncommon, as there are pigs that roam the woods often. Within seconds, the twins had vanished, completely out of sight. This is not typical of her children. They are adventurous, but had never left our eyesight before. My friend frantically shouted for them, but we couldn't see or hear them at all. My friend, in a panic, attempted to climb the slope to no avail. Deep in the valley below us, we heard a dog screaming in pain. It sounded like a dog had gotten itself trapped in a snare of some sort. My friend stopped her attempt at climbing the hill and started shouting for her dog. The screaming of the dog became more intense. So much so, my friend then attempted to climb down the hill onto the valley to help what we thought could have been her dog. In the corner of my eye, I saw some movement. It was her dog walking towards us from the direction her twins were last seen. As soon as we saw her dog, the screaming in the valley stopped dead. A woman then appeared on the top of the slope and shouted to us that the twins were making their way back down the path toward the beginning of the woods. We shouted thank you to the lady, and my friend told me she would run ahead to find the twins. We both looked up to where the lady was standing, and she was gone. We both looked around to see where the lady may have gone, but couldn't see her. Then, from the direction she was standing only moments prior, approximately fifty deer ran straight past us into the valley below, into the direction of where the dog was screaming. My friend then ran ahead to find her twins, leaving me with both of our dogs and my four-year-old. As I continued my walk toward the beginning of the woods, I heard rustling among the foliage in the valley next to me. I looked down and saw five deer running past me, in the direction of the other large group of deer. I then heard a strange noise in the valley, but very close to me. It sounded like a person was making the sounds of an old ringing telephone. I stopped and looked into the trees but couldn't see anything. As I turned away to continue my walk, the same sound started again and stopped the moment I looked over. At this point, both dogs were behaving extremely nervous and continuously checking behind us as I was trying to pull them forward. I can't explain why, but I just knew my daughter wasn't safe. Whatever was happening in those woods, whoever it was or whatever it was, was trying to separate us all. I ignored the sound and continued walking towards the start of the woods as quickly as I could, while dragging my daughter and the dogs. As I walked around the corner, I saw my friend, who had found her twins. The twins both looked very pale in the face, and said they were very scared. They had told us that they began to sing in the woods, because when they stood still, they could hear twigs and leaves breaking around them. They said they came across a lady with a face they recognized, but her face was really shiny, and she told them to walk down the path. They said they recognized the lady from their school. I feel the need to add that both myself and my friend would recognize anyone from that school. Neither of us recognized the lady we saw. They also said they could hear us shouting for them, and that they shouted back, but we couldn't hear them. Each of us heard all the other sounds, and we all saw the lady. We had the immense feeling that we were all being separated, but none of us can explain what happened. Or why it happened. We have been searching for answers and the only suggestion is something called panic in the woods, which apparently is a common phenomenon where people feel sudden anxiety and unease while in wooded areas, often with the urge to run. But we all saw, heard, and experienced the same thing. Thanks for reading. Any thoughts and suggestions would be appreciated.
0: I saw a patient that didn't exist by... You got me there. I don't know how this happened. I'm still perplexed by it five years later. I was starting out as a healthcare provider in a private practice. Our practice had set up cameras to monitor front desk activity, outside and the hallway as well, all for security and emergency reasons, as we are in a large metro area with a moderate to high crime rate. So... Utilizing a very well-known yellow booking software some of you will know I received an appointment request The appointment had no insurance listed only a name For the sake of HIPAA, I obviously won't be giving the actual name sex or gender of the individual. Let's just say JD for short The appointment was never confirmed via phone and JD had an international number JD shows up, and for the most part, it was a standard visit, normal workup, etc. Think of it as an annual physical, but without any abnormalities. I did my usual banter. What do you do for work? Where are you from? etc. They were pretty short in answering, and again, given the location of where the practice was, I wasn't taken aback. I will say, I was confused about the lack of accent this individual had, though. There were no distinctive markings or features other than the person's height, which was well above average for either sex. The appointment ends, they pay in cash, and make no follow up. It's just the standard don't call me, I'll call you. The day was pretty busy, so I wasn't able to do the note then and there. At the end of the day, I sat down to do my notes, and I noticed that JD was not in the note tally, meaning one patient was missing from the total. I checked the system, thinking that the FD might have forgotten it since it was a cash note. These tend to not be as pressing to smaller practices as they don't need to submit this to insurance companies for reimbursement. The appointment wasn't there, so I decided to check the booking app to pull their info. The appointment wasn't there either, so I asked the front desk what happened, and they said that they didn't know who I was referring to. We had seen over 50 people collectively that day, so... I just let it slide. I did the note, but I did not add any other info except for the one told me by the patient, and I took note of the international number, but couldn't remember the code. Flash forward two to three days later, I was still thinking about the situation and remembered the cameras. I told the front desk to look at the video with me, and to my astonishment, there, clear as day, Is the patient talking to me in the hallway and checking out in the fd with the fd writing the transaction on both the cash ledger and the digital ledger needless to say all three of us were and still are confused the fd did some snooping as young people do and found no record of anything or anybody by what they thought was their name we called the booking company and nobody even made an appointment for that day, at least not under my profile. How did the appointment disappear from both our EHR and the booking software? I'm still rattling my brain over this. Any takers on explaining this? Was it a glitch?
1: Poltergeist or Something Else by Holly. In episode 110, you guys featured a story about a poltergeist. It inspired me to finally write about some experiences I've had in my home with what I believe to also be a poltergeist. I've lived in this house for about three years. It isn't ridiculously old. It was built in the 1970s, Things were normally quiet, except for the occasional creaks that you might expect. One evening I was sitting on my couch in the living room, scrolling through my phone before deciding to fall asleep. That's when I heard the first thump upstairs. It was loud enough to startle me, but I assumed it was just the house settling. I went back to scrolling, and then, a few minutes later, there was another thump followed by what sounded like something dragging across the floor above me. Now this was enough to get me off the couch. I have a cat, Pogo, and I thought maybe he had gotten into something. I called out for him, but he didn't come, which was unusual. As I climbed the stairs, the air felt colder. I remember thinking that was odd, because it was the middle of summer and my house never really got cold. Once I reached the top, I headed towards my bedroom, which is where I thought the sound came from. The moment I opened the bedroom door, I felt a chill run down my spine. Nearly all of my books were laying on the floor beside my bookshelf, but Pogo was nowhere to be seen. The bookshelf itself wasn't disturbed either. I started cleaning up, feeling unnerved but trying to rationalize it. Maybe a strong gust of wind had knocked things over, but the windows were closed, and some of these books were heavy college textbooks that would have taken considerable effort to move. And then, just as I was picking up the last book, I felt so cold that I started shivering, the hair on my arms raised. That's when the banging started. It was coming from the closet. Three loud bangs, as if someone was hitting the door from the inside. I was frozen in place, my heart racing. I don't believe in ghosts, but I couldn't explain what was happening. Gathering my courage, I walked over to the closet and flung the door open. Nothing just clothes and some old boxes. But then, right behind me, the last book I had put on the shelf fell off again. I spun around and that's when I saw it. It was a shadow, or what looked like one, but it was moving. It wasn't a trick of the light. It was there, in the middle of my room, a dark, swirling mass. I can't explain the fear I felt. It was primal, like every instinct in my body was telling me to run. Then, as quickly as it appeared, it vanished. The room temperature returned to normal, and everything was still. I stood there, trying to process what had happened. Pogo casually walked into my room, meowing as if nothing had happened. I didn't sleep much that night. A few days later, I saw my neighbor washing his car when I came home from work. He's an older gentleman who has lived there for most of his adult life. He waved at me as he usually does, but I decided to walk over and ask if he's heard anything about my house being haunted. He smiled as he kept washing his car. I could tell it probably wasn't his first time hearing about this. Turns out, the previous owner had mentioned she thought the house was haunted, but never gave it much thought. Since then, I've had a few more odd occurrences, but nothing as intense as that night. I still don't know what to believe. Was it a poltergeist? My imagination? All I know is that I wasn't dreaming and it felt real. And it's something I'll never forget.
0: I lived in an alternate reality for four years by straight for shady. I think I know what happened, but there are some things that I just can't explain that well. I have several vivid early memories up till the age of six of me in my current life. They track exactly what my family remembers with pictures, timelines, etc. Around the age of five, I began having terrifying nightmares that I couldn't wake up from and I didn't know were real. I would go days thinking that my nightmares were real. I still have nightmares and night terrors like this where I wake up screaming with scratches and bruises and feeling deeply disturbed. When I was six, my two best friends moved away and that was my last real memory before I fell asleep and woke up when I was 10. The alternate life and reality are very similar in ways, but there are enough differences and scattered memories that they noticeably don't match up. I remember things that reportedly never happened to me, and I have no recollection of the things that did. For example, I remember a situation where I watched the neighbor's kids for 30 minutes when I was eight. When I woke up and four years had passed, the kids were the same age and I did not babysit them until I was 11. When I was 11, I knew exactly what was going to happen during those 30 minutes because it already happened. It was like what I had previously experienced came true three years later. I've kept journals since I could write, and I remember writing, yesterday it was 2005, now it's 2006. I also wrote about my New Year's Eve. What I remember happening was going to the planes and watching fireworks. I did write the first sentence, but in the physical diary, I didn't say what we did. When I asked my mom, it turned out, we were in our neighborhood that year. We have pictures of my sister and me at two kids exhibits in Niagara Falls on the same day. I remember one, which was a glass factory. We have pictures of another though, which I think was a science factory. I remember the outfit because it was very pretty, but not the event. It doesn't seem familiar when I look at the pictures. Like the kid in them is me, but it isn't how I remember myself during those years. It's just a little off. I know it's normal for kids to forget things, but 15 years later, I still don't recognize myself or anything in it. It was like I fell asleep, lived for four years, went back to sleep during those four years and woke up in an alternate life. It really shook me up and felt like I was seeing the world with a different filter. Colors were slightly different. People looked a bit different. I felt shorter than in my dream and I felt emotions differently. They were much, much stronger. My personality changed completely. I became more withdrawn, aloof and depressed. I had panic attacks all the time and would get overstimulated by seemingly small things. I've been that way ever since. Weirdly enough, my mom says the same thing. Around the time that I was 10, my personality changed a lot. Personalities and a sense of identity don't really develop until around that age. So it is entirely possible that my personality was mainly a mix of what I saw and what I imagined. And that's why I was so different after those four years. As an adult, I've been diagnosed with several mental illnesses, including bipolar with psychosis and borderline personality disorder, both of which can feature symptoms of disassociation, depersonalization and derealization. I do not have disassociative disorder, so I'm pretty sure that all of this was just the beginning of the psychosis and disassociation related to the other disorders that I would experience for the majority of my life. But it doesn't make it any less weird.
1: An Untitled Story, by Natalie When I was 17, I rented a trailer with two of my cousins and one of their partners out in the country. We often had odd things happen, but were normally able to justify them. Everyone else had overnight jobs, so I was home alone most nights. I kind of liked the peace and quiet, so it was nice to have the whole place to myself even if it was a little creepy sometimes. Usually when I got home from work, I would throw all my stuff on the couch for the next day. Keys, wallet, uniform, etc. This night was no different. I threw all of my stuff on the couch, made something to eat, and then rotted in my bed after a long day of work. After it had already gotten dark, I went to let the pets in, as they hadn't wanted in earlier. Between my cousin and me, we had two cats and a dog. Both her cat and dog came in when I called, but my cat was nowhere to be seen. He would often come to the door and let out a meow shortly after I called. So I shut the door and sat down on the couch closest to the door to wait for him, and the dog sat beside me. I didn't care much for dogs, but having him at the house when I was alone, made me feel a bit better. He wasn't a big dog by any means, but a dog will let you know if something is wrong. After about 10 minutes of waiting, I started to hear footsteps coming toward the door. The dog had heard them too, and kept looking at the door every time it happened, so I knew I wasn't imagining it. I hadn't seen anyone pull into the driveway, but every few minutes, The dog and I would hear footsteps, walking across the porch, coming up to the door, and then stopping. It happened about seven or eight times, and once again, I hear footsteps walk across the porch, get to the door, and then suddenly, three sharp knocks. The dog started barking and howling, and I swung the door open, but nothing was there. I immediately called my aunt who lived two minutes down the road and asked if I could sleep at her house. She of course said yes, and I went to make sure that the pets had enough food to last until someone made it back to the house. I grabbed a bag to pack my uniforms for the next day, but when I made it back to the couch, my keys were gone. Everything else was exactly where I had left it. But my keys, my only way out, were gone. The closest place I could get to was a two-mile walk, and there was no way I was making that in the dark. I started pacing around, tearing the house apart looking for my keys. I searched every room and then made my way back to the living room, but at some point during my franticness, I hadn't noticed the dog had stopped barking. Not only that, he was gone. I then saw a glimpse of him through the window, running around outside. I have no idea how he got there. I opened the door and called him to come back in, but he ignored me. Screw it. I was on a mission to find my keys and get the hell out of there. I shut the door and repeated the same circle I had the first time, searching every corner of the trailer only to make my way back to the living room empty-handed. But the dog had somehow gotten back inside and was sitting calmly on the couch. I searched the house for 20 more minutes before I found my keys, sitting on the couch right where I had left them when I got home. I got in my truck and flew to my aunt's house. It didn't occur to me until much later that my other cousin had died on that very porch. My other cousins and I believe she is still there, often protecting or warning us from whatever else was residing there. If not for her, who knows what could have happened.
0: Experiences in Africa by Jane The following events happened to me many, many years ago while living in South Africa. I had just gone through a medical emergency and traumatic event the month before when I lost my first baby at seven and a half months pregnant. My parents were keen for my husband and I to accompany them on their annual Christmas holiday to Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. On the way there, we stopped at a place where Cecil Rhodes was buried. We stayed there for a couple of nights and then traveled to a game park. There was a main camp and various smaller camps dotted throughout the game reserve where you could view animals in their natural habitat. We spent a few days in the main camp and then moved on for one more night at one of the smaller camps. A beautiful place high on a plateau overlooking a valley filled with wild animals. Two chalets had been booked for us, and we spent the evening in the chalet where my parents were staying, playing card games with the family well into the evening. Anyway, at about midnight, we decided to head over to our chalet and say goodnight to the family. I can't tell you what time it was, but sometime during the early hours of the morning, I was dreaming, or so I thought that somebody was trying to pull me out of the bed by my feet. It felt like I was being pulled out of my physical body. It sounds crazy, I know, but it's the only way that I can explain it. There were two single beds in the chalet. I was in one, and my husband was in the other. I was fighting this thing, whatever it was, as I woke up from this struggle. I heard this evil guttural voice in my ear and it said the word fool I jumped out of bed so quickly that I practically flew and got into bed with my husband shaking and terrified my husband can attest to how terrified I was I didn't go back to sleep after that, I was literally shaking, but I was relieved when I started to see that the sun was coming up I told my husband not to mention this to my parents as I didn't want them worrying about me thinking about my recent trauma. In the early morning light, I convinced myself and him that it had to have been a nightmare. Although I have never been prone to nightmares then or now. It left me quite shaken for a long time afterwards though. Even today, after 50 years, I shudder at the memory. I do want to point out that I've never experienced anything paranormal in my life, or after that experience, and I never want to again. We didn't discuss it until a few months later when we happened to be visiting my parents and my mom was telling me about how much she loved Rhodesia as she was preparing for another trip. Her words were, I love going to Rhodesia, but there is only one place I don't like and that is the camp overlooking the plateau. I asked her why, and she said, Because something tried to pull me out of my bed. Both my husband and I looked at each other, and realized then that I hadn't been dreaming. I then told my mom about what happened to me. Whatever it was, tried to pull her out by her shoulders, whereas my experience was by my feet. It must have jogged her memory as she said, Was that at Christmas when you were there with us? Because I remember asking your dad when we watched you go over to the chalet that evening, if that wasn't the same chalet that we had used the last time we were staying there. I've read that sleep paralysis is often experienced by people in the same family, but how strange that two people from the same family can have a similar experience at different times in the same place. I know we experienced something evil in that chalet, and I have often wondered over the years if anyone else has had a similar experience. I can tell you that it terrified me, and I have never forgotten, even though it was nearly 50 years ago. So let's go ahead and address the uh, background music that we added to the stories.
1: Yeah, I'm digging it. Hopefully you all do too. I think it adds a little bit of flair to set the mood without being too distracting.
0: Yeah, I agree. Let us know what you think. And on a somewhat related note, we started an Odd Trails Discord server Mm -hmm. because we got some Spotify comments and Instagram messages asking us about gaming. So if you want to hang out and play some games with us or just chat about whatever, We'll leave a link to the server in the show notes
1: for you. Yeah, that'll be fun. Maybe we can set up some recurring game night with everybody or even just, like you said, voice chatting. We'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, I'm way down. Sounds like a blast. Everyone can join us for a game of mini golf on Tower Unite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. It's official. Join the Discord server. There's no catch. Just extending the invitation to join us and doing what we already do Mm -hmm. pretty much every night. Mm So yeah, follow that link. And when we get enough people,
0: we can start working something out.
1: Yep, yep, sounds good. So I'm sure you loved that first story taking place in the woods, your favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I hate that I loved
0: it. And the dog yelping really got to me, even though everything seemed to turn out okay, I just don't do well with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. Written descriptions don't really unnerve me all that much, but in movies especially, hearing animals or children crying in pain Immediately kills my mood. I'll take cheap jump scares over those sounds any day.
0: Yeah, I usually skip the first part of John Wick.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't blame you. Animals and children are probably the most sacred living things on earth. I like trees too, but that could explain those visceral feelings we get when they're in pain. But also, yeah, there's the whole thing about how animals and kids are so sensitive to the paranormal. Overall, they're both so vulnerable and susceptible to whatever the world throws at them or even beyond this world holy smokes that is incredible <laughs>
0: stop <laughs> oh yeah don't forget to join our discord if you want to scoop on all of our inside references that we use all the time folks
1: link in the show notes link in the show notes
0: okay so the whole story
1: was pretty wild but i really wanted to know more about the lady that they all saw Right. I wouldn't be surprised if she was a guardian angel of some sort. Mm. Only the kids recognized her and they said her face was shiny, but I wonder if they meant glowing. And given the circumstances, I wonder if she made her presence known to the parents out of necessity. Definitely possible. And the old
0: ringing phone, just overall, really creepy story. Thanks for sharing that one with us. I've been wanting to tell you about the time that I've spent doing the Gateway
1: Experience. Oh, nice. I'm a big fan of binaural beats in general, but the official hemi-sync stuff is really good. I think it probably subconsciously influenced the music we added to our stories, Mm -hmm. even though it's darker for obvious reasons. There's a lot to be said about how much sound influences our brains beyond just Enjoying music or the sound of somebody's voice. (laughs) Yeah, I see what you did there. So I know I've talked
0: about Robert Monroe, Astral Projection, and the Monroe Institute Ad nauseum. So I won't go on and on about that or the books, but for new listeners, after years of experience with Astral Projection, Robert Monroe, he wrote these three books on
1: the topic and then started the Monroe Institute. I've only read his first book, but we should add the Monroe Institute to our list of planned trips. Yeah, after
0: trying the Gateway experience at home, on my own, I completely agree. Business expense? Yeah, yeah, business expense indeed. Nice. (laughs) So the Monroe Institute is kind of like Professor Xavier's school for people who want to learn to astral project like him. (laughs) So they pioneered the use of binaural beats, like you mentioned to induce the out-of-body state. And again, I've talked about this a bunch in the past, so I'll keep it short and sweet. Robert called this hemisync because it worked by using two different frequencies in each ear to sync up the left and right hemispheres of the brain as it tunes to the difference between the frequencies, so to
1: speak. Yeah, there's a lot of it on YouTube. I think I first found them by looking at background noise to play while I read or sleep. Oh yeah. I was listening to a lot of delta waves before I knew they were actual binaural beats. Mm-hmm. I guess different frequencies have different benefits: focus, relaxation, yeah, whatever your heart desires. Really, there's a frequency out there for it. Mm-hmm. I use them all the time. But
0: hemi beats are designed specifically by Robert Monroe and his team to be incredibly effective at inducing astral projection. Anyway, the government began looking into this and did an analysis and assessment on the gateway experience. And those papers are now public. And of course, all these YouTubers and TikTokers out there are sensationalizing it as some top secret government project (laughs) that trains soldiers (laughs) to spy on enemies via astral projection. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's the gateway experience. It's something that Robert Monroe had been practicing and teaching already. And the papers that were released are just a big nothing burger. And they don't give us anything that Robert Monroe wasn't
1: already publicly practicing and writing about. Yeah, but it makes for good content and lots of clicks and engagement. Gotta have that. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) So I listened to an interview with the person who helped Robert with the Hemisync recordings, and he talked about how the government's efforts in working with the Gateway Project or Gateway Experience, uh, Gateway Tapes, whatever you want to call it, didn't really work for their purposes anyway, because... It ultimately brings the person doing the exercises into a state of peace and tranquility.
1: See, I've always firmly believed that the world would be a much better place if everybody with a sound mind, of course, or at a minimum, the world leaders, were to take part in a guided psychedelic trip. (laughs) Uh, MK Ultra could have been used for something a lot better than just some back-alley counterintelligence operation. We could all be singing Kumbaya and... Have no nuclear weapons, but no. Yeah, I need you to lead the world, bud. All right. So
0: naturally I got my hands on these gateway tapes and I've started doing the exercises. I do a different one each night, but I did find one that I like a lot. I think it's the second or third one in the series. I don't remember. I have it bookmarked. You start out by mentally putting all of your worries, fears, and earthly problems into this box. Then you turn away from it and leave them there. Then you go through this series of breathing and humming exercises that put you in this
1: amazing frequency where you feel like you're just kind of floating around inside of your body. Nice, nice. Visual compartmentalizing helps me a lot too. I got to try that one in particular.
0: Yeah, it's not like anything I've ever experienced when meditating. I've done Joe Dispenza, Binaural Beats, you name it, everything out there. Any YouTube video that says meditation or guided meditation, I'm sure (laughs) I've tried it but nothing compares to this experience. I eventually blasted up out of my body and into this swirling vortex. Whoa. Yeah, it was beautiful and impossible to describe. I guess you could say I never got out of body in the sense that I wasn't outside of my physical body looking at my physical body or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was more of an intense psychedelic trip and I've never had a psychedelic trip. So I'm just assuming this is what it was like. It was, I can't describe it. But for those of you listening, if you can get your hands on these tapes, I highly recommend giving it a shot.
1: Yeah, going out of your body is a 10 out of 10 experience, usually. (laughs) Yeah. I do think that these spiritual experiences are the best gateway, no pun intended, to (laughs) opening your mind up to the paranormal. Yeah. Not in the sense that you're inviting any metaphysical visitors to take shelter in your spirit or whatever but it can peel back some of the layers of skepticism, I think. Yeah. I'm sure most of you listening are already believers, but if you're an open-minded skeptic, give it a shot. Forget everything that seems real. (laughs) Just trust. Believe. Believe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh,
0: you can get the CDs at the Monroe Institute website, but they're very expensive. Mm. And we're definitely not recommending either searching online for the files or just listening to them on YouTube. No, no, we would never. Never. (laughs) Anyways, I think that's all we have for this week. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. And make sure you send your stories in. You can send them in to stories at oddtrails.com. Don't forget to sign up for our Discord server.
1: Link is in the show notes. Link is in the show
0: notes. And uh, don't forget to sign up for our Patreon. If you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails. Finally, don't forget to check out the new episodes of my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com, like Let's Not Meet, and the Old Time Cast. Everyone, we'll see you next week. Stay
1: safe. Peace out. and the ghouls disturb you, darling.